0: Hi, everyone. It's John here. Welcome to another episode of CCR. And this time around, in a sense, we're going back to the beginning. If you're a shooter of 35 millimeter, and although none of us on the show are exclusively 35mm, we all shoot 35 as part of our, our jam. It's important to remember that 35mm film started off as movie stock. So this time around, making movies in one frame.
1: Welcome to the classic camera revival coming to you from the greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode.
0: Okay. Welcome back. So a little bit of history. This is not a history lesson. There is no exam. 35 millimeter. It came into existence in 1889 in the uh, laboratories of uh, Thomas Edison. He ordered 70 millimeter film from a company, you might have heard him called Eastman, the Kodak, and split it down the middle to make 35. And so, for the first few years of its life, all 35 millimeter was used for was movies. But uh, then we got the first. Uh, 35 millimeter still cameras and I was doing a bit of research and there was a lot of debate over which was the first one that was actually commercially available to be purchased and as far as I can tell it was something called the multi-simplex that was available in 1914 and it's a camera that uh, took 50 foot rolls of film and so would shoot either 400 frames full frame or 800 frames half frame so man that's like the 1914 equivalent of 128 gigabyte uh, sd card so that's a lot of film we're not quite that extreme today but what we're going to do tonight is talk about some of the films that we use today that are actually still movie stock or released derived from movie stock and so what we're going to start off with is bill and orwo take it away bill
1: thank you john Orwell, original Wolfen. It was once the East German um, Empire uh, for AGFA. AGFA uh, was a storied uh, film and chemistry manufacturer. And when the the Iron Curtain fell down after World War II, uh, a bunch of their plants in East Germany fell into communist hands. So they came up with a new company. A state-owned company known as Original Wolfen, uh, they made a whole uh, combination of consumer uh, film, x-ray film, chemistry, even going into color film and motion picture stock. Fast forward a few decades. The wall fell down in the late 1980s. Um, around the same time, U2 came out with Zeropa memory serves correct. I was a I was at a young lad in university at the time when it all went down. Anyway, so Orwell kind of they sort of held on, and they were making still consumer film up until the dawn of the digital age, and then they really pared back their product offerings down to just the motion picture stocks. So, hit around 2000, I sort of came across Orwell motion picture stock as a still film, probably over. 10, I want to say over a decade ago, maybe even closer to 12 years ago, uh, when, I, when I heard about Orwell, UN54 and N74. Now, I had, you know, and you, you really could only buy it from one place, like a distributor in Brooklyn, New York. And you can buy it at any length you want, as long as it's four, 400 feet or 100 feet. And if you're a wise person, you chose the 100 foot roll because it's much easier to handle especially, you know, likes of Lloyds or uh, Watson or one of those lovely AP Bob and Quick bulk loaders. And it was cheap. Like, I think it was like $68 US, a 100-foot roll. And that was pretty good. Now, uh, as time went on, uh, other companies have sort of bought Orwell N74 and have rebranded it. Uh, good a case in point would be burger with the brf plus uh 400 that's orwell n74 lomo came along with their kino line of films which is basically i guess like the consumer version for those who don't want to bulk roll and they came up with lomo potsdam which is un54 and lomo berlin which is n74 what are these films and again i'm just going to focus on these two films because these are the ones you're going to come across most often specifically if you're going to buy uh on with the lomo lamography label on the box because right now bulk rolls of orwo uh un54 and n74 and 35 millimeter are very hard to find also another sidebar if you want n74 un54 and 120 you have to buy lamography because that's the only game in town that sells it, but even then, the prices aren't that bad. So, un fifty four, uh, it's a hundred speed ISO black and white film, panochromatic, uh, and, and, it's on an ac- and it's on an acetate base. It's a traditional black and white film, uh, and it I have I have, ex- have processed it in Xtol, uh, Rodinal, and D seventy six. So of them all, I would say D76 is my favorite for developers. If you want to find it a, without going to too much trouble, uh, the ideally you'd probably want to play with D96, but that's not quite as common. And, you know, uh, it, it sort of comes down to what you're, what you're comfortable using. I love D76 or... ID 11, which is British G76 at a one-to-one dilution for seven minutes for UN 54. And the results are amazing. It it just, it just sings. N 74, it's a grittier film. So if you're looking for something with much more mood, yeah, N 74 might be what you go, might be your jam. Uh, Again, it's, historically 100 foot rolls, and of course, uh, packaged as Lomography Berlin. Now, uh, at the moment, as we're all aware, uh, for those of us who are in the know, Oro has had some, a bit of a financial uh, hiccup, and they've had to reorganize in uh, the German equivalent of uh, uh, chapter 11, or uh, as they say in Canada, in accounting circles, CCAA don't worry orwell's still around it's just we may not be ha- they may not be packaging as bulk rolls for uh bulk rollers like ourselves uh going forward um that's the way it is which is a shame but that said you can still buy lomo in berlin and just knock yourself out well
2: i i've actually used d96 with both un54 and n74 and i can say that It is well worth getting a package of D96. And you can get it from CineStill in uh, one liter kits, or you can get it from the FPP in a one gallon kit. And you just, especially with UN54, the results are rich. You have deep blacks, good highlight, good highlights, and just incredible mid-tones. Um, you do get um, a bit of grain reduction, especially with N74. But personally, I found that one of the best developers for N74 is actually Ilford Microfin. Oh. So that really cuts down on that grit.
3: Oh, interesting. I I've I, I've never shot um, the N74, but definitely UN54 and D96 is is a is a happy happy marriage for sure. Highly recommended. I definitely second that that. Uh, Emotion
0: and Alex, you bring up a good point about uh Microfin because what I've tried not recently but I have to try it again sometime with UN54 to cut down on the grain a bit was I have some uh, vintage uh micro X, a, a fine grain developer that Kodak used to make, and I would develop uh UN54 at one to one, and I was extremely happy. Like, I there were shots where I had a street shot where I couldn't get too close to the little girl dancing in front of the street band. Otherwise, I'd probably get beaten up. So I had to take the shot knowing I would basically have to crop to about a third of the image. And it cropped fine without looking overly grainy. So like, I think there really are a lot of good uh, development options for UN54. I might not try Rodin, although.
3: Probably not. No.
2: No, I actually looks not bad in Rodinal, oh, okay, but actually. if you want if you want it to be if you want to keep that edge sharpness, especially with UN fifty four, um, go for Pyrocat HD. Oh yeah,
0: because uh, then just... you
2: keep that fine grain, mm-hmm. but you get that really good edge sharpness.
3: Yeah, interesting, John. When you mix up your uh, Microdol X, I'll uh, give you some Acros to shoot. Uh, Microdol X and Acros also very happy happy
0: marriage i'll have to see if i have any acros left that's one of those films there's a sidebar every time i think okay that's the last role i have like my my film cabinet is not really all that well organized shall we say it's everywhere i keep running i keep running into it it's like that film reproduces in the dark <laughs> so hopefully I'll, I'll just sort of you know click my click my heels three times and say there's no film like a cross and i'll get another role and i'll try it out.
3: excellent I still have quite a stash, so I will just keep my mouth shut and the shit-eating grin on my face. <laughs>
0: Why am I not surprised? You and your stash.
1: <laughs> are, you, are you down to halfway through your shipping container no. in the backyard? <laughs> no, I haven't been. I
3: hardly shot this winter, so... Mm. yeah I suck.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of the film that doesn't suck, next up, we're going to have Jess talk about Frenia P30, another film that comes from a rich uh, cinema tradition.
4: Yeah, so uh, I probably have the least experience of all of us here with cinema film, um, but I'm definitely a sucker for a good story. And Farania is just full of good stories, lots of drama, lots of happy moments, lots of everything. Um, And I mean, What can be better than shooting a film that's based off of what the Italian masters used to shoot with like it's for me that's just one of the things that I love so much about shooting film to begin with is I always feel that little connection through bits of history, so now I can feel kind of connected to Fellini in a weird way uh, shooting the same film that maybe he shot. So that's what I've always loved about shooting film. But anyways, um, I'm not usually one to shoot low ISOs either. 100 is typically about the lowest I'll go. Uh, Even in the woods where you'd think that you want lower grain, uh, so lower ISO films, um, because of weather, sometimes winds or whatever, I tend to shoot higher ISO films. But that said, I really love the look of P30. Um, I've only ever developed it in Xtol at one plus one, but I've always loved the results that I've gotten using that combination. Um, I find that the film is really punchy, but not overly contrasty. Um, I've been able to retain a lot of shadow detail, uh, but it also doesn't completely blow out the highlights. And uh, I think uh, James mentioned something about not shooting much in the winter. P30 is a film you want to use in the winter. I love shooting this film um, because in the winter, it just renders snow so nicely. Uh, so I find a lot of films tend to have a more of like a muddy kind of gray, almost cement sort of look to the snow. And I really don't like that. But P30 keeps the snow looking really nice and crisp uh, without being overly abrasive. Like it's not going to blind you when you look at your own photos, which is always a good thing. (laughs) Um, And for some reason, I cannot explain why, but I just love to shoot this film in the city of Montreal. Uh, Maybe the city just has like such a cinematic feel for me. But I, you know, especially knowing that my favorite part is also the old port and old Montreal, which also has a lot of its own history. And, you know, I find that the film just really suits the architecture in that part of part of the town. Um, so what also uh, just thought I would mention that what I have shot from P30 uh, was either from a later batch of the alpha series. Uh, So by then they had worked out a lot of the kinks, a lot of the issues that they had popping up at the beginning Uh, towards the later batches. They didn't have that as much anymore. Um, And I also shot from the early batch from the like official stock. Uh, And there was no real difference there. Uh, Like I said, by then, they had fixed a lot of the issues. They were pretty sure of where they were going ahead with this film. Uh, So, there was no real difference between the two emulsions. Um, one thing, though, that I really I'm still keeping my fingers crossed for Farania. So if anyone from Ferrania is listening to me right now, please 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 bring it out in 120 uh they were talking about coding it back in january of 2020 they'd actually even put a comment on one of my own photos on instagram saying that they were working on coding it and i was super excited um but then unfortunately the pandemic hit and italy being one of the hardest hit areas right off the bat um The whole thing just kind of got real quiet. We haven't heard much from them. If anything, uh, I think that even P30 stocks in 35 are just kind of hard to find these days. I'm not entirely sure. Honestly, I bought so much at the beginning that I still have a few rolls left from my first purchases. So, you know, I am really hoping that there's going to be a lot of future success from this company, because there's just so much history here, and it's such a beautiful film. And I think that they have a chance at really creating some beautiful cinematic films that we can all grow to love. Um, You know, so this is definitely a company that I'd love to see going. Now, one thing that I would like to bring up again is like I mentioned earlier, I've only shot or I've only developed it in Extol. um and I think it was on Bill's advice. I do have a batch of D seventy six and a batch of D ninety six waiting to be mixed because I'm pretty sure that those two developers were supposed to go well. Uh, so I'd like to hear everyone else's thoughts on that.
1: I've shot Ferrania P thirty. I've shot with the Alpha rolls. I. Uh, a few years back, uh, on a Toronto film shooters photo walk in Peterborough, Ontario. And I was shooting with a Canon new F one. And I was, I think I processed it. I think it was HC 110, and I got decent results out of that. Then I picked up the regular Piranha P30, like the final. And I found with that same developer combination, oh my God, it was almost too contrasty. But then when I, shot it again, the regular in process in D-76, it looked far superior. So again, D-76 and I guess D-96, um, if you've got that kicking around the uh, the, the chemistry drawer in your darkroom, that's what you probably want to play with. And again, I I would love to try x I don't have any with me. I gifted my bags to John because I was on a D-76 ID-11 kick. So yeah, that that that's that's my jam. Other than that, it's like like you, I'd love to see P30 and in 120. It's just sort of like, and again, I you can even buy P30 at Burlington Camera. I've seen it okay. stocked, which is okay, of good. all places, which is makes me very happy. But again, it's sort of we really haven't heard from our friends from Farania in a little while. And Yeah, please please reach out. Tell us you're okay and you are going to fire the coding lines up again soon, I hope. Please. (laughs) Grazie.
2: (laughs) No, P30 in D96 is absolutely fantastic. The one thing you do have to note is that the times provided is reliant on constant agitation. Oh, okay. So, you would need to lengthen the time. I don't know by how much. Okay. Um, I recently got the Bees processor, which is um, one of those automatic rotating bases, brand new, absolutely fantastic. I love the thing. And I actually have a roll of P30 in my stash <laughs> and a uh, one-gallon kit of D96 that I need to mix up. But I want to have a bunch of cinefilm ready to go that I can just use the whole, I can just shoot and process. And P30 is definitely going to be one of those films. It really helps. Again, um, D76, it was good. HC-110, I really couldn't stand it. And again, I even did a more dilute, I did a one to 63 and extended the development times and just did not work. Surprisingly, other than D ninety six, Rodenol produced one of the best results.
4: Oh, mm. oh
2: wow! From it, but still, D ninety six hands down the best. Cool. And yeah, and hopefully, all those one twenty um, rolls are just sitting there happily curing, and I just need so. to be packaged.
1: <laughs> Got fingers- the fingers crossed. Fingers
4: crossed. Come on, Ferrani. I believe in you. <laughs>
1: Yes, please reach out. Tell us you're okay.
0: (laughs) Okay, the next film is uh, one that I'm going to talk about, and that is Eastman uh, 5222, a.k.a. Double X. Going back in the dim mists of time to about 1940 or so, Kodak introduced Super XX. And this film had a speed of 200, which was the fastest standard film that uh, Kodak had, until tri-x came along in 1953 and then uh, tri-x sort of deservedly so stole the thunder but that was not the end of royal x what they did was that the the kodak engineers went back and um, re-engineered the the film a bit uh, working specifically on trying to clean up the grain to make it finer grain and in 1959 double X was born. Uh, so, and it's been around pretty much as is since 1959. So like that's a, if it was a person to be almost a senior citizen by now. So this film has a, a long glorious history. It's been used in a number of, um, a number of movies. So the movie that uh, comes to mind for me, uh, even though I'm not a big Woody Allen fan anymore, for obvious reasons. Uh, his film, Manhattan, which was made in 1979, black and white film shot on double X. And I saw it at the Bloor Street Cinema here in Toronto, which was like a repertory theater. And there's something about seeing a black and white movie on the silver screen. And it looked uh, beautiful. Uh, also one of the more recent James Bond movies had a uh, was it, uh, casino Royale, had uh, see
1: it, right uh, it
0: had the opening segment in black and white it's quite something so mm. this film has uh, quite a history um as i said the characteristics of the film beautiful sharpness i just love i'd love the look of it the grain it's the grain's not invisible but it's a grain that i like like one of, one of my favorite purposes for for this film rather specific purpose is portraits of older dudes It has sort of a nice gritty, almost photojournalistic kind of look, and I think the film is uh, stop laughing, Jess. Don't go there. (laughs) Uh, It has a great kind of you know street grittiness that uh, that lends itself to that kind of uh, you know journalistic uh, portraiture. Uh, It's a very classic look. People have said it's very cinematic, but very different from uh, let's say the um, the Ferrania. Like I read one in prepping for today's episode, I read one article and person, one, the person who wrote the article was making a, comp, a comparison that uh, where the, you had like, you know, the Fellini, the, uh, the very sort of smooth, glowing European art house films versus the gritty street, you know, New York Yankee kind of toughness of Double uh, X. And I can see that uh, comparison. Um, there are a couple of things you have to be careful of with double uh, X, and uh, if you're used to black and white films like Tri-X or uh, HP5 that you can brutalize to the point of sloppiness and still get good images out of, double uh, X is not your film. I find that the exposure latitude—I'm not the only person saying this—exposure latitude is not as wide as some other black and white films. For me, particularly. In the overexposure side if you overexpose it can get muddy and ugly really quickly so um one recommendation i've seen and i agree treat it like slide film get as precise as you can and worry about the highlights and then just deal with the shadows in the, in post don't don't crank it up to 11 and pretend it's like verichrome pan you, you won't be happy um one thing I've noticed, it responds very well to red filter, red filtration. Like I'm a big fan of dark sky photography. And um, I shot some stuff in 35 uh, a few years ago at the, uh, at the water filtration plant in the beaches here in Toronto. And I was really happy, shocked to see just how well um, the, uh, it responded to a red filter. Now, not all films seem to respond equally well. To, uh, to red filters, so this is one I'd, I'd recommend. In terms of developing, I've developed it, uh, let's see, in xtol, and uh, D76, I think are the two that I've used uh, the most. The most, And I think it turned out uh, fine in, in both cases. Now, one thing I have not tried, Alex, I think you've tried, have you, have you developed this in uh, D96?
2: I have. Um, I've actually, I was just looking at um, my Flickr I've, and um, my own review of Double X, and I've developed it in a in a lot of weird weird developers. Um, my personal favorite is D ninety six, especially when you shoot the film at ASA two hundred. Um, now most developing charts will say develop it for six and a half minutes. I found that it's a lot better if you do it for a straight six minutes. Because if you do it for that extra extra 30 seconds, you will lose those highlights. So something that would might be good to do is to put on like a yellow filter, either just a yellow 12 or um, a yellow 15, a deeper yellow um, filter, because it helps cut down that um, that blue light um, and really bring back your uh, shadows. Um, before D96, one of my favorite developers for it was actually DK50, which is another one of those rare developers. They don't make it anymore. But um, but if you wanted to duplicate those times, you could do HC110 dilution D and use the same times. Um, surprisingly, HC110 is not a good developer for Double X. Unless, of course, you go with um, Dilution H or 1 to 63. But D96, six minutes at ASA 200, brilliant.
1: I find HC-110 not a good developer for cinematic films to start with. And it's just sort of like, it's, it, again, it sort of comes back to my experiences with P30 outside the Alpha, and it's like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work. We're going to quit while we're ahead. And just sort of stick with again. Again, I got I've had great luck with D seventy six and ID eleven, so that's what I'm going to stick with with as my personal jam. But it's like and with all the cinematic films, uh, and yeah, it's like
3: yeah. I uh, I really like Double X. I find it to have a very sort of um, old Hollywood sort of film noir kind of look to it. Um, I actually really like shooting portraits with it, with a red filter um, uh, or a a polarizer Uh, and a polarizer. You get some pretty cool contrast. It's a little bit, um, I guess, a sort of a different level of contrast with the polarizer compared to the the red. It's not as harsh for portraits. So I really I really do like it uh, that way as well. So if you've got a circular polarizer and you want to experiment with double X, definitely go for it and I, I won't soup it in anything but d96 these days so and it's actually really good with flash photography as well
2: that makes sense and plus you can get it in 120 thanks to our friends at cinestill
3: well, yeah exactly uh,
0: I actually haven't shot the 120 yet but I have bought a roll uh last week at the downtown camera so as soon as I find a uh a, a proper, a proper venue to uh, shoot it. I'll be trying it out. The only question is do I shoot 12 frames in my Hasse or Raleigh, or only eight frames in the, uh, in the six by nine, my guess it'll be 12 just to, so I can get as many shoot pictures as possible. Shoot it through plasma. the hassie Yeah. I've,
3: yeah. yeah. It depends what you're shooting.
2: To, I've right? shot, I've shot it through my Mamiya, my Roloflex, my hassie. And, um, the and the Gaz six forty five and the Hassi is the Hassi and the Rolly are my favorite by far.
0: So Jess, what's uh, what's your experience been with Double X?
4: well, oh, I was gonna just echo James's uh, thoughts on uh, like I find it has that film noir look to it as well. Uh, that's what I really like about Double X. Uh, again, I haven't shot a lot of it, but I have a bunch of rolls thanks to John uh, sitting in my uh, in my fridge waiting for me. So now I have lots of tips. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna pair it up with some filters and have some fun. Um, but I have developed it in Excel. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Jess is the big Excel fan here, um, and I really love. Of it I, I do like the look that I get out of it with Extol, Um, but I'm probably going to be mixing up a batch of D96 real soon, and I'm going to experiment with some P30 and some Double X and in that developer, see what see what happens.
0: Very cool. Now, so far uh, today, we've talked about films that, while they are cinema films, they are c- could be considered mainstream. Nothing all that weird, but in the whole world of 35 millimeter film production. You can go down a rabbit hole of uh, films that uh, had specific purposes in the production of motion picture films, but really weren't meant to be used in camera as such. But uh, being conventional is so boring. So Alex and James, two unconventional dudes, are going to tell us about the weird cine films you can have fun with.
3: Hey, fellow weirdo. (laughs) start with yours (laughs) okay i'm gonna start okay well i'm gonna start with a really weird film i guess a film that kind of has an identity crisis i suppose um it's uh for those that may not be familiar with it some of you mike is really not around that much anymore it's eastman 5363 high contrast positive film too um i like to call it a film with an identity crisis um uh you know it it's i guess you could call it any which way but gray uh film uh you know you can shoot it po- you could you want to make a positive out of it use a different type of developer if you want to shoot a negative with it use a different type of developer so uh if you want to shoot a positive with it it needs d97 um, i ordered some d97 from europe i personally have never developed uh 5363 with d97 i've never made a positive with this will be the first time for me doing that hopefully by the time the show airs i will have gotten the developer and we can at least post some of those shots uh in in the show notes um the film itself it like I like the name says it's high contrast uh it was introduced i believe in 1999 uh by kodak and it was meant to shoot titles like titles for movies like subtitles you know that the Star Wars sort of thing, not necessarily Star Wars, but that that sort of thing. Um, and I guess when the digital age came around, it had a very short-lived lifespan. And there was a time where you could you could buy it. I bought a whole whack of rolls from uh, the FPP uh, store, gosh, I don't know, probably about five or six years ago. And to my surprise, I thought I only had one roll left. And then earlier today, I found three additional rolls in my film stash. So I now have four rolls left to uh, to shoot, which is which is good. Um, now, why is this sort of a film with an identity crisis? Technically, Kodak calls this the panchromatic film. In my opinion, it is not a panchromatic film. It is a blue sensitive orthochromatic film. Uh, if you look at the sensitivity curves, it has some sensitivity in like the three hundred and fifty to four hundred wavelength, which is Um, you know kind of like your your ultraviolet and into um, sort of the violet before you get into the blue spectrum and then it really peaks between 400 and 475 which is essentially blue light and there is some blue green sensitivity but it drops off pretty quick so hence any which way but gray so you really just see in this film black versus white but how do you tame this Sort of weird beast, right? Um, And what can you use the film for? Well, first of all, before I talk about how to tame it, um, it's a really cool film in the sense if you want really rich, contrasty, vibrant um, negatives with, you know, very little grayscale, frankly, Um, you know, if you're looking for that really high contrast image, you know, you can use this film. It's tough to get pictorial results. With this film, because of the limited developers that are there and it being such high contrast and, and being a, essentially a purpose built type of emulsion. Um, I have developed it in uh, Xtol, in HC 110, and um, uh, Pyrocat HD. Uh, HC 110 and Xtol, mm, not worth it. Uh, Pyrocat HD, okay results, but it wasn't until I tried it in Technadol or TD3 that it really tamed the beast. And I felt that I got some usable images out of it. It's an ISO 25 film. Um, and the reason um, uh, it's so tough to deal with being ISO 25 um, and a specific sort of very contrasty film, it does not handle highlights very, very well. So um, I, it did not like being overexposed in high contrast scenes. It does like um, a, one, a, a one-stop push or an overexposure like shooting it at say at ISO 12 for sort of a flatly lit scene, it kind of sings in that sort of arena. But the minute you get highlights and um, shadow areas, it can be very, very tough to handle. And the only thing that really helps it is that low contrast Technodol or TD3 developer. So if you are interested in, um, in getting the film, I'm not sure where you can get it anymore. I don't think it's in the FPP store. Uh, anymore, I haven't seen it around for about a year. But honestly, I haven't been looking for it either. I don't so, know unfortunately,
2: fifty three sixty three has been discontinued. Um, I think the only five thousand yeah. series motion picture films still in use by Kodak are Double X five triple um, two, mm-hmm. and the uh, Vision three lines. But most of their specialty right. films are now two thousand series.
3: Yeah. So maybe eBay will be your friend. Maybe you've got somebody with a stash. I know there were some stores and companies that were sort of selling off, um, like remnants of the big rolls and stuff that were used. And and I think that's where the FTP might've got their stock from. Uh, but that's since been depleted. If you can find it, it's a cool, fun film, uh, to experiment with. Um, you know, so I would definitely, definitely give it a try, but it, it is a, it is a bit of a beast. And, um, I honestly wouldn't be shooting uh, any sort of critical shots with it. It's more of a fun experimental kind of uh, exercise. And you know what? You get a really cool high contrast scene where you're expecting really, really good sharpness and good resolution. That is a really ideal film uh, to use in those circumstances. But it can be tough.
2: I, I totally agree. Um, I only got usable results out of two developers. Um, One of them being HC-110, but I did dilution G for 22 minutes. Um, And again, in a very flat lighting condition, still very, very high contrast. And then the second one I got really good results out of was um, PMK Pyro. So the more toxic version of PyroCAD HD, And oh, what did I develop it at? Um, Eleven minutes, yeah, eleven minutes. um, One plus two plus one hundred.
3: Yeah, it 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 is a slow film for you know a twenty five ISO film. Um, I did it in Technodol for fourteen minutes. and with with the standard technidol dilution, so it's it's just their 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 packet. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't actually mix up TD three. Um, I just used the packet of Technodol for one roll. Um, but uh, yeah, I was quite happy with the results. They were better than I expected. Um, very little grain, but the contrast was like the, the, the shadows were so rich, kind oh, yeah. of being muddy. So
2: okay, so if you think 25 is slow, we can get slower. So in the world of motion picture films, you have, um, you have your masters, which are positive films, and then you have archival copies. Now these are usually done on positive films that are black and white and super slow, but between your master role and your archival role, you need an internegative film. And one of the most popular ones of late has been Eastman 2238. And um, you can actually purchase this through um, Etsy. Um, Michael Bartoszak has a fantastic um, store where he promotes ultra low ISO films including 2238 and he really championed 2238 as a film so i ended up getting a handful of roles through the film photography project and michael bartasak um a lot of people say it can be shot between asa6 and asa50 i've really found that sweet spot to be asa12 um One of the best developers, surprisingly, is not D96, although D96 will work, but you want to shoot it at that ASA-12 speed, not ASA-25. Frankly, my favorite results ended up coming from um, HC-110, but I used the Dilution-E for seven minutes, again shot at ASA-12. You get an amazing result out of these because this is a panchromatic film. It's designed to take these color master roles and convert them into black and white. So you need that panchromatic um, sensitivity. It's sharp. There's no grain and amazing mid tones all the way while maintaining those highlights and those shadows. Um, and then In the Eastern European side of things, you have Orwo DN21. It's that same idea. It's a slow film. You shoot it at either, you shoot it at ASA-12. Again, it looks great in D96 at ASA-12. It looks fantastic in HC-110. And the best part is you can get this through lamography, through the Okino line, where it's known as Babylon 13. And then once you have that negative, you want to get to that positive side of things. And again, from Eastman, you have um, 2366. And what makes 2366 unique is that where we're used to this sort of a gray film base, this film is yellow. It is yellow. It has a yellow base to it. So you really can't sort of this thing you really can't say is anything else. And again, the first time I used 2366 was through um, the Film Photography Project. And um, when I actually did my review of it, it was John who uh, rolled up three additional uh, bulk rolls. Um, 2366 is, again, designed to be a positive film, but you can develop it as a negative film and d i never this was before i had access to d96 so d76 was the best one to shoot it at and i actually shot it at asa6 so we're, we're starting to get even slower here and you can shoot this all the way down to asa 1.5 so if you really want to do handheld, really, ASA 6 is really that limit. You you want a wide-angle lens so that you can really open up that aperture and keep that depth of field, but you can shoot it as slow as like 1 of a second without getting into too much camera shake. I think I ended up shooting this with... Um, Uh, fast 50 in one case a 1.4 a 28 millimeter f 2.8 and a 14 to 24 millimeter f 2.8 um 2366 you really don't want to put this through rodinol it yeah there's just too much contrast here again you're dealing with a film that by its native is a positive film so you're already getting that higher contrast already um another good developer for 2366 is um and at that point you can shoot it up to asa12 so you're you're getting into much easier handheld territory orwo has their own version of this and it's known as dp31 and you can get it um from lamography again from their Kino line as phantom 8. And that's Phantom with an F. D seven D ninety six probably your best choice. Again, you're shooting it at ASA eight, so you're really getting into that slow. So you again you want that you want that fast wide angle or that fast fifty. You really need that extra speed. Um, D ninety six Ilfatech HC HC one ten really great results there. Rodinal surprisingly did a much better job with DP-31. But like 2366, you really want scenes that have even light. You don't want anything overly high contrast. Because you're dealing with a film that's designed to do one thing really, really well in a very controlled environment. Where it is literally sandwiched to that internegative film. Big bright light at a high speed. To do that copy.
0: Yeah, when I shot it, uh, it's been quite some time since I used it, but I used the, the XTOL approach at, uh, at EI 12 and uh, I was quite happy with the results. As for uh, shooting something handheld at uh, EI 6, I think it, that's maybe for Arizona. In Toronto, half the time, I'd say the slowest film for handholding, it seems to be 400. Not, not that I'm bitter. In our typical concrete, distressed, pewter, overcast skies. But if you're somewhere that gets, what?
1: <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, John.
0: But uh, yeah, and it's such a <laughs> cheerful film. I just love that bright yellow. You can't you can't help but smile when you see it. Well, I think that wraps it up for this time around. Now you will have noticed that we've talked only about uh, black and white stocks. But don't worry, we have a vision for a future episode where we'll talk about color, uh, but we promise we are not going to record it at 2 a.m. outside a gas station.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite.
1: (laughs) For you, for you, Jess, a laundromat.
4: Okay, okay, I can compromise
0: so this is John Meadows saying I shoot double X but for the record I do not shoot triple X
3: you watch it (laughs) snip
0: snip go the editing
3: scissors (laughs) oh boy this is James Lee don't be like me I had a photographic memory but never developed it out there and shoot something
1: weird this is bill smith from the classic camera revival how can i follow that i i, I just can't i'm sorry i can't stay cool shoot tons of film shoot lots of llama berlin and potsdam and, and, and get your german new wave on
4: <laughs> this is jess hobbs thank you bill so much for going after james because that's usually me in the hot seat and I never have anything not that I have anything much better this time but anyways um, so as always just grab your cameras lots of enthusiasm grab a roll of P30 if you can and get out there shoot 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 have lots of fun ciao 2
2: and this is Alex Lokes if you think we can't go any lower than ASA 1.5 you haven't heard our zoom lens episode yet
0: Jesus and the triple
2: X <laughs> Oh,